Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Hey guys, if you're interested in a rat race to five micro tribe where we're learning uh, short-term rental, we're learning wholesaling, we're learning uh, DIY with Belen. We're also learning if you are a first-time realtor, let's say your first or second year, and you want a little bit more help, make sure you reach out to the Rat Race to Find Micro Tribes. They're $50 a month for four live calls with leaders within Rat Race to Find. Don't go out and spend thousands of dollars trying to figure out if wholesaling is for you or short-term rental. Spend 50 bucks one time for that month and find out if this is something that you want to do before you jump in. All right, guys, let's get started. Guys, welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. Today we have an awesome guest, one of Diego's many coaches. Diego takes his uh, education very serious. I'll let him talk a little bit more about that. But we have Jason Dries in the house, and he actually goes through a framework type of session that he does with his clients with us here on the podcast live, as well as so many bombs that he drops. And make sure you wait till the end because there's a really cool story. Yeah, this was one of my favorite podcast interviews because it was what started as an interview. And this is like that I've done or that I've been part of. Uh, what started as learning more from him, it's, he turned it around and interviewed us and it turned into a coaching session. And I feel like the audience is definitely going to take that into consideration. And my goal is that they ask, them, they ask themselves that as if it was them going through those questions. 100%. No, it's a, it's an absolute, it's basically like a one hour coaching session where you can do this for yourself as if you were the one interviewing. Um, all that to say, let's just get right into it, guys. Jason Dream. Jason, Diego, what's up, guys? Hey, Jason, thanks so much for coming on the Rat Race to Five podcast, man. We're super excited to have you. Uh, for those that don't know who you are, which I can't imagine as many of our listeners, everyone knows uh, who Jason Dries is, but can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, a very 30,000 foot view level, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, Felipe and Diego, I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Um, I am a performance coach. You know, I, I say performance coach because it, it's it, it includes business coaching, it includes life coaching. I run a, um, a performance coaching company called Jason Dries Coaching. And what we do is we help individuals really just you know, in a coaching perspective, we help people go from where they are now to where they want to be. But what we really do is we help people live life and live the results of their full potential by really becoming unlimited and just aiming at the biggest targets you can dream of. And, and what we really do is I really don't help people create success, which is funny because people think I help people create success. But what actually happens is I, I help people remove resistance to success. That's what we really do. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So elaborate more on that. So like, how do you define someone's success? Do you allow them to define it by just helping remove the barriers? You also said that you're like, have them reach towards their highest potential. Give me a little bit more sauce. Let's dig into that a little bit more because I want people um, to kind of see what that would mean for them individually. So in the next moment, anything can happen. What I have found to be true in my life experience is that 98% of the population, what they're going to do next, next is a repeat of what they just did with a variance of one to 3%. Okay. 
So people are going to basically only change moving forward one to 3%. That's what I've found the average person does. Now what's possible, like for example, you could have a person with a day job making $50,000 a year and they could the next year get in a real estate career investing and make do some flips and make $300,000. That's completely possible, right? And so I found is most people are not playing life high enough. They're not aiming high enough um, for, for numerous reasons. And what, what we really do is we help people get aligned with the targets that excite them. Now, there may be times that I'm talking to a client and I can point out a target to them, but really what this is about is helping people go after what they're excited about. What And, and a lot of times people think it's too big or impossible or not easy because they don't know how. But the thing is, we're capable of anything because in the next moment, anything is possible. So really, we help people go after you really what you do is you want to start aiming at not just what you want but like what is an impossible target like what would be a lot of fun to go after because the most the common the way our brains work is we think if we don't know how to do it it can't be done and and so a lot of people stop there but just because you don't know how doesn't mean you can't why there man there's there's so much to unpack there. I'm trying to start from the beginning. It's been three minutes, Jason. <laughs> I'm trying to help. So I'm trying to unpack. It just comes out like this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound like a, a, a book that I need to read next, except you're a live person. It's great. What? Okay. So let's start from the beginning of that. Why don't people reach the top or why don't people reach bigger goals or, or, or even try to attain those? Um, fear of failure fear of success, fear of loss of connection, not knowing how, loving being in a comfort zone. They tried really big 10 years ago and it was so painful they can't go there again. Mm -hmm. They grew up and nobody in their family has ever made more than that. There's a, there's a lot of different reasons. And the really thing you want to understand is like there's, we have a brain and then we have a heart or, you know, so there's, there's your brain. The brain is, is, a, is a computer that's constantly analyzing everything you've ever done in your life. Every bit of information that you have experienced and every information you have heard from TV and education and all that stuff. So we have this conditioning in place. And, and what actually happens is as we move forward, our brain is constantly looking at the world and comparing it. Do I know how, do I know, is this possible? So the brain is a computer analyzing forward movement based on past reference. Now, what is actually possible next is are things that are beyond because you could bump into somebody at lunch tomorrow in the hall waiting. You're waiting outside the, the bathroom to use the bathroom. You bump elbows with somebody, you make a new connection. And all of a sudden there's a new opportunity that changes your life, but the brain can't account for that. So we end up playing in this pattern over and over again, where, where we have desires within us to grow and expand. We haven't had success in the past. So maybe we're continuing to grow or maybe we've failed so many times we're just burnt out and we're tired of failing. So we've accepted a lower standard. Interesting. So Jason, let's take it back then. So let's pause right there. Cause we're, we're, we're going to get into this because, <laughs> whoa, that was a lot. That's awesome. Um, let's take it back. Jason Dries finishing high school, starting college. Did you always know that this is what you wanted to do with life? No. No. Um, okay. Not at all. Like I, on. no, I, I was grabbing a note so we could get back to that point later. Um, yeah. but the, um, 
no, like in college, in high school, I was good in math. I was good in science. I did, I got, you know, an, almost an A average, you know, my GPA was like 3.6 or something like that, 3.7. And that's like, I never had to study because it was easy. So when I did some AP classes and stuff, but I really just wanted to, I just really wanted to party a lot back then. So when I got to college, I just started partying and I went to college. <laughs> I think all of us. I think we all did. Right. Like I, I should have not gone to college and just worked and had fun. Um, but I went to college and where are you going to go? Engineering. Okay. What sounds fun? Civil. So I picked engineering just because I was good in math and did yeah. literally went to Cal Poly Pomona while living at home and working a full time and did that for three years and was like literally still a freshman. Like literally, I just, I just never went to class and never did any homework. And I dropped out of college and went into sales and had a sales job, which I got the referral to the sales job for one of my fraternity brothers at the time. And that's how my tech sales career started. But I was in technology sales from the mid nineties all the way until 2012, 2013. I didn't, I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur in 2003 after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. So prior to reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, in my family, nobody really went to college. My sister was my oldest sister. Um, my older sister was the first one who went to college because we were the oldest of that generation. And my parents were like, you're going great. So there wasn't really this high level force standard, you know, because my most people in my family just all worked hard. They just worked at jobs yeah, and worked and whatever they did. They just kept doing that. So the standard wasn't super high. Um, and prior to reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was I, I would think like, let's work and party or do whatever I can on the weekends. Like I was working to not work. But when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, something shifted in me and it like literally changed how I view the world. And from 2003 onward is when I started going after financial success as an entrepreneur. I started my first company and my first real company in like 2006, 2007. And we designed and manufactured race car driver cooling systems, cooling shirts, these shirts that race car drivers would wear um, because it's really hot and um, really hot in cars and would pump cold fluid in there, raise startup funding. Um, actually ended up sold that company kind of, and then got sued. So it was an interesting journey, but it wasn't until, um, I was working by my day job. I was working for nine, eight, six, my race car driver cooling company. And I hired a Tony Robbins coach, um, to help me with that startup company. And after I had that coach for about a year, that coach actually asked me if I had ever thought about becoming a coach mm. and when he asked me that question, it was like, I got struck by lightning. It was like, like my life changed in that moment. And that was 2012, um, summer 2012. I went to another Tony Robbins event, UPW in the summer and in December, I went to date with destiny, his six day event. And I literally came out of that and started getting clients without training. And then three months later, I got invited into the Tony Robbins coach training program. That's so it was, I was, you know, my early thirties before what did you, 27, 30, 33, before I figured out that direction. Okay. And how many, how many years were you working with Tony Robbins as you've, because it sounds like your, your, your career changed a bit between the, well, it changed a lot, right? From being an entrepreneur on the car racing industry, creating products from that perspective to actually dealing with people and coaching people and listening to them and understanding um what was your transition from just doing that to now going and working in tony robbins from a people's perspective well i've always been good with people 
I'm a high eye disc profile. Mm -hmm. So people, I was always in sales, you know, so connecting, communicating, speaking with people. I was always good at that. Like in technology sales, I was an outside sales. So I would give presentations like over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, and along that time I was working with small business owners. So I've been working with small business owners for 20 years. So I have a lot of exposure that helped me in coaching. Um, and it was when I was, um, it was 2013. Um, I had, was working in a tech consulting job. The race car driver cooling company never paid enough to be a full job. So it was always on the side. I start, got into the Tony Robbins coach training program in early 2013. I got an invitation. Um, also my second son was, was due. He was born in May of 2013. And we were living in the Bay area, which is really expensive. And my wife was running a preschool out of our house. So we decided mm -hmm. that she was going to close the preschool and we were going to move to a place that cost less. And so she could stay home with the kids. So we moved from Mill, you know, Marin County, California, which is one of the most expensive zip codes in the US to Rockland, California, which is 20 minutes east of Sacramento. We literally cut our rent by like 60%. So my wife stayed home. We moved there right around Easter and the babies do like in four weeks. And the day after I moved there, I got fired from my day job. I got oh. laid, not fired, laid off. Oh off. man. And Jason, can yeah. I bring it back really quick a little bit? And then let's get back to the story. Most people yeah. read rich dad, poor dad and yes. go real estate. Yeah. Did you just skip over the middle part? I know that, 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 um, rich dad, poor dad is not a real estate book, but that's the route that 90% of the people we interview and other podcasts do as well as what they say. Wow. Why did your mind go towards business and then furthermore coaching? Well, it actually did start real estate. Hmm. It did. I started reading about real estate. I actually started an internet business that didn't make any money. That was just like an online casino. I was like free. Oh, I'll make this and try some Google AdWords and stuff. And that didn't, that just lost money. And I actually, I'm like, Oh, I'll get real estate investing. So I started looking at real estate investing and I found Dolph DeRue, you know, Dolph. Yes. Um, and I literally went to a Dolph DeRue seminar in San Francisco mm. in like 2004. And I was in, okay, well, I'm going to do real estate investing. I need to get some money to buy a house. Right. And I was never really good with money and I had a low financial mindset back then. So I never really got to the point of actually executing on it. Um, and then the idea for the race car driver cooling company came up was with my, my sale. I was a territory sales manager. He was a territory channel engineer. So we worked together and he discovered this race car. He was into racing and we de developed, understood, found this cooling shirt. And then we found these Pelletier thermoelectric coolers and figured out we could make a product. And we started testing with it and we did proof of product. And then that's kind of how to, how that direction went, but it did start real estate. Okay. Got it. Got it. And okay. So now to bring it forward now, uh, what, uh, you mentioned that you were about to have a baby and you got fired from your job. Like that is like a lot of different things because it's not like it's you is your, your newborn kid is your wife and so many, so much uncertainty. Uh, please continue on from. Yes. From that. And, and the startup company had cleaned out any savings we had. I was oh, never man. really good at savings. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm like talking to the company. I'm like, can you lay me off in four weeks? So the health insurance can cover. And I never forget this. The woman HR manager said to me, well, can she have the baby early? Oh man. Wow. I'm like, you're a woman, right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, so, and I also got accepted to the Tony Robbins coach training program, which was six and I didn't, which I didn't realize at the time was like six weeks of training and then live event training and then three more months of training and then clients. And then you get paid 60 bucks an hour part-time. 
So I was super excited to become a coach. I started looking for other jobs. And in the, the tech environment in the Bay Area, like I'd, I'd been in, this was 2012, I'd been there for over a decade. And I, and, and I worked with manufacturers and different manufacturer reps. And all the time, manufacturer reps would live in Sacramento and they would commute to the Bay Area for sales meetings. It happened all the time. But all of a sudden, the economy shifted and nobody in San, the Bay Area would hire me now that I live in Sacramento. So I, I, as much as I didn't want another job, I wanted to go full-time coaching. Um, I couldn't get a job. And I did try. I interviewed for quite a few jobs and I just didn't get the tech jobs to try to replace the income. So I basically did what I could was coach training. And I literally started going to the chamber of commerce and, and just starting selling coaching. And I would be like $250 a month mindset coaching. I had a lot of sales experience, so I could still help small business owners, but it was literally build that business with a gun to your head. Um, and then about like six months later, we were like on food assistance from the state WIC. I had like my wife coming home crying because our uh, debit card was declined at the store. And some woman behind us bought it, was kind enough to buy us groceries. Um, and, and it was a real struggle. It was a real struggle. And then there's the whole dog food episode where I ate dog food and this being challenged by this coach and ate dog food and kind of transformed there. And then the next year I was the number one coach on the Robbins team and it just had opportunities come. And then, then I got sued and that kicked off my speaking coach career. And then that led to other things and just kind of... Is that too much? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm just no, trying no. to like, I'm trying to see like, so it was hard. It was, it was hard. It was so difficult back then. Success leaves trail, right? Like I, we've all seen it that, that people that are, oops, people that are successful leave a trail. And I'm starting to see a trend. The more I interview people that there's like, you either fail and like completely don't do well after experiencing things like you've experienced or you become someone that's impactful to other people's because the story that you have you had to go through and you're able to kind of use that as fuel jason and i don't you you can totally deny this question but what did it feel like when your wife came home crying that the groceries were denied and someone else had to pay for it and how have you used that now well, it was disheartening. It was humiliating. And it was also gratitude at the same time. Um, it was a very challenging place to be because at one point, if I put the energy into finding another job, I probably could have found another job to support my family. Right. But there was a part of me that couldn't give up on the coaching. Okay. I wanted to be a full-time coach. I didn't want to go back to sales. I didn't love sales. I was just good at it. So it was really this, it was a really hard path to, because everybody outside externally was telling me I was wrong. My parents, my in-laws, my, you know, brother-in-laws were just like, what are you doing? Um, but for some reason, I just couldn't stop going this direction. And I realized now looking back on it is that, and I actually knew this at the time actually was like, the reason I couldn't stop that path of becoming a coach is because when I, when I first started thinking of, after my coach had cast me that, asked me that question about becoming a coach, it was the first time in my life I remember being excited to learn something. Like I was really excited. And I'm like, I don't care how long it takes. I want to learn how to do this. And it was exciting. And I realized that if I didn't follow through to become a coach, I would regret it for the rest of my life. 
And mm. the most important part of that was not my regret for the rest of my life. I realized that if I did that, I would be lowering the, my standard for my two young sons for the rest of their lives. So I made the decision that I am going to go through this because I am not, I'm going to, I'm going to solve this financial problem because my parents didn't solve the financial problem. So I got past that financial problem and I made the decision that I'm not going to be in this situation anymore. And the reason why a job isn't going to cut it is because we got two kids. And at this point, my wife was pregnant with our third. And I'm like, a family in the Bay area is not going anywhere on 150 grand a year. It's just not going to happen. Right. So for us to live the life we want, we have no choice but to make more money. So I am going to solve this problem as hard as it is. Now, I could have been more aligned with her along the way. And, you know, there was a lot of times when I was nuts and doing things that weren't healthy for me and smoking cigarettes and trying to balance and all this stuff as I all of me was out of alignment. But it was really my process of becoming the person that I needed to be to get an alignment with receiving success. And man, there is a lot there. But for people that might feel stuck right now, just like you may, just like you were in the past regarding yeah. alignment, what, what was, what did you do or what can people do to make sure that number one, they are aware, number one, that they're in the wrong alignment and what can they do to get in the right alignment for what they want? Well, you can feel misalignment with your emotions, right? Like misalignment is a negative emotion. If you're working on a target and you feel a negative emotion, that's misalignment. If you are feeling positive emotion, that's alignment. If you're feeling doubt, um, you can feel negative. Doubt is misalignment. Confidence or certainty is, is, is alignment. Um, most people, if they stop to think about it, they know what to do. They know what to do. Now, while... I was in doubt and fear and, and, and misalignment in the present moment and what I was doing, I didn't know. So I was taking the best action I could at a core level. I knew eventually I was going to be successful. Be and I knew that because I made a decision that I wasn't going to like, I am going to put energy towards success until I drop dead. So there was a decision there. So if other people are stuck and they're stuck in that place, check like, you know what to do. You know what you should be doing and you know what you should stop not be doing. So stop doing what you shouldn't be doing and start doing what you need to be doing and give it more and keep changing your approach, doing whatever you can. But really the, the decision to not stop is really what carried me all the way through the hard parts. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned a bit too on the, like in order that to align yourself um, you have to be in the right frame to be able to understand that you're in alignment with what you want. Can you elaborate on that too, please? So the, well, the, the frame, the frame you need to be in to create a shift from misalignment into alignment is actually very simple. It's simply the state of ownership. You've got to be in ownership because if you're in reaction, like you're in a victim to life. If you're in reaction, you can't change anything. And that's why I always use the repeat after me statements that you've said before is I take full ownership of my life and everything in it. I know exactly what to do. I've got this. Those statements literally put you into a control. So once you're in control, you can start shifting your reality. And for people who are just hearing about frame right now, the simplest way to think about frame is like your expectations. Now your expectations are created on your past 
references in your past experience, you do have the ability to change them. It's much easier. And, and, and as I've learned how to help people shift their expectations, which is their frame, they start thinking differently because your, 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 your thoughts, the action you take comes from your mindset, which is your mind. And most people are aware that your mind creates your thoughts. And so if we're, if our mind is creating an action that's hitting the target, that's great. If the mind is, is, is creating an action or strategy that isn't hitting the target, we're not in alignment. So a lot of times people will start looking for mentors or looking for strategies or like, what do I need to do? Because maybe they don't know what to do or what they're doing is not working. What I've discovered is that the simple, easy way to change mindset is by shifting frame. Because you ask somebody how to change mindset and they're going to be like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> make incantations, you know, beliefs change. But the thing is, mindset is created by frame, which is you. So when you shift your frame, your mindset shifts automatically. So all of this doubt that people have is occurring because they're, at the, at, they're in a frame of misalignment that's creating a misaligned mindset. So the simplest way to do that, to shift frames, is so, it's so simple. It's so simple. Like if you want to find a new job and you don't know how to make, or you want to make more money or find a new job and you don't know how, the simplest way to change your frame is just imagine a version of you that knows how to make more money. And if you imagine and literally imagine for 15, 20 seconds, you'll start to shift your frame and that will shift your mindset. And is that at the point, you know, where like people, you know, when people say that you become like, once you're aware, like once you increase your awareness, you will begin to look at opportunities or see opportunities where you didn't see them before. Does that happen? Because you're, at that point now you're acting in the right frame. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like it's your entire perception of reality is based on frames. Mm -hmm. You can also, so you can, so frame, you could also call a point of view. Okay. Right. A point of view. Because if you look at a deal, you'll see something. Felipe looks at a deal. He may see the same thing. He may see something different. You know, uh, somebody mm -hmm. brand new will, will, will not see it at all. Right. So there we have the ability to shift those, but we also have frames about how life works. Am I good at making money or am I bad at making money? Those are also frames too. And mm. a lot of times it's, it's the environmental frames that we're operating in that are causing the biggest blocks to our success. Got it. And what can people do, for example, what are some recommendations that people can do to get number one into the right environment to change those frames? So if you notice when you talk to me, like there's action, right? And then there's environment, mental environment, right? When I'm talking, all my coaching is, is all on the mental environment. All my coaching, when I worked for Tony Robbins, it was all on action. So most other coaches are focused on action and forcing action and like, you got to be determined and what, and like, so they use this mental toughness to force misaligned action. But what I, my biggest breakthrough that happened was that frame is what creates your reality. So the simplest way to shift your frame is really just to imagine yourself doing that. Like, for example, your, your environmental frame, your environmental point of view, your environmental expectations is based on your past. So if you grew up, and money, there wasn't a lot of money around and money is hard to get because you heard that and you had, saw your parents with the conversations in the kitchen struggling about money. You're operating in a frame where money's hard to get. Right. Your frame 
which my, I theorize is, is actually the vibrational frequency of you as a being, because your body is made of atoms. It's pure energy. Life is pure energy. Life responds to us. Sometimes it responds great. Sometimes it doesn't life. What I found and proven over and over is that life responds to you based on your frame. So if you're in a frame of financial scarcity and you think money is hard to find, you're going to have, a, it's going to create a mindset that's hard to find money with connections that don't go anywhere. If you're in a frame where money is easy to get and it's just like water, it's everywhere, then your mindset will start operating that way and it'll start finding new connections and new opportunities to support that. Yeah, I agree 100% with that for sure. Jason, so yeah. I can imagine myself with a six pack. Yeah. <laughs> is that how this works? Well, it's not, not as much imagine. Okay. It's get a sense. And I can explain the difference right here. Like in, so the, and I keep coming back to this graphic, right? Action, mindset, frame. Our brain, our brain thinks action creates reality, right? But it doesn't. Reality creates your action, okay? Right. The, reason, the reason you don't want to visualize, because visualize is the current frame. It's a frame. Because if you're using your brain, you're, you're in the same mindset. So when I, I always say get a sense. So if you want a six pack and you don't have one right now, you're in a frame that's not in alignment with getting a six pack. So let's do it right now. Like when I say get a sense, have you ever had a time when you're, you're in line at the grocery store and you're looking straight ahead and you know that this person on your left is looking at you, right? Yes. You're not using one of your five senses, right? Yep. <laughs> that's a different conversation. You can sense, you can sense them there, right? There's a feeling. Yeah. The feeling. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Felipe, can you get a sense of a version of you tomorrow, next year, 20 years, 40 years, anytime in the future, can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that not only knows how to have a six pack, but actually does have one? Well, let's get one thing straight. First of all, I have an eight pack. Okay. So let's just, let's just I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, I can. Okay. So let's, 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 let's do this for the listeners. Yes, I can. I can. But let's, let's step back a little bit. The, the one that actually knows how to shift, like, can you sense the version of you that, that, knows how to go from eight pack to six pack. I mean, I guess no, because I haven't done it, but I can like only see it. No, no. Can you sense, can you sense a version of you anytime in the future that would know how? I don't, I mean, I don't think so. Okay. So let me, let me, let me back. Okay. So that frames too far. Can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that knows it's possible for yes. people to go from an eight pack to a six pack? Yes. Okay. And can you get a sense of a version of you that knows if other people can do it, you can do it too? Yes. Can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that knows how to go from an eight pack to a six pack? Yes. Okay. Where is that in relation to you physically? Where is that frame? Mm. Front, back, left, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, right, right in front of me. Okay. It's, it's different for everybody. Now, for me, it's on the front left. Some people it's up, some it's down. Now, hold your awareness on it a little bit longer. Just put your right. attention on it like that person was watching you. Now, can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that is excited because you know you can go from an eight pack to a six pack? Yes. And can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that's actually successfully went from an eight pack to a six pack? Yes. Can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that's lived with six pack abs for 12 months? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Can you get a sense of version of you that just always has six pack abs? Cause that's how you live your life now. 
Absolutely. Okay. Now hold your awareness on that frame. Okay. You want to go like 15 seconds. We'll shorten it a little bit. How are you feeling now? Like I want to get started and get off this call. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to go do this now. Okay. That because let me give you another example of frame shift, right? Because we're we we as human beings have a lot of times where we'll hear an old song and remind us of an old girlfriend. We're like, oh my God, I was a kid or 20 years ago, right? Where we have yeah. where we have old memories and the old memories take us to the past and give us a negative emotional experience, right? So mm -hmm. one way to think about that is you today is the highest you've ever been. Your energy tomorrow, you'll be more because you'll have more life experience. So every day you're alive, you're you're more than you were the day before energetically. And, and imagine like this horizontal line right here is today. Now, when you have a memory of the past, and we all have these, and we have a memory of self-judgment or regret or negative emotion, we actually go down in frequency. And when we go down in frequency, we feel heavy, we feel negative, we feel bad thoughts. What I just showed you how to do with frame shifting is going up in frequency to something you haven't been yet. And every time you go up in frequency, you will feel lighter, more certain, more confident, more powerful. Because what this is really about is shifting into the frequency of the being that will do or will have the thing. You'd be surprised how much of my business growth going from 100,000 one year to 1 million the next year to two and a half million the year after that, you'd be surprised how much of that I've did just by frame shifting just like that. So it's interesting that I, that I just got to go through that. Um, you can bill us for that later, or at least Diego anyways. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird because I'm sure you meet a lot of skeptical people, including myself, but like sensing it the way you asked, did make it a little bit more realistic and attainable rather than just like theory for it, I guess. So you've probably done some high level individuals and I don't want to ask who, what and where, but I'm sure more than one, you've worked with high level individuals. What are some common traits or conversations that you see in, uh, in them? Can you get more specific? So kind of general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are some common either whether it's doubts or whether it's something in their past what is like the biggest blockage that you've found in people that are successful that want to get to the next level it's it's pretty much the same in everybody really um they just have different flavors some people it's some people it's doubt self-confidence some people it's self-worth some some people it's financial mindset some people it's leadership ability we all have growth areas and the growth areas usually correspond to phases of our life um, and sometimes we'll have a phase here. Like I, I, I conquer, I, I struggled with financial scarcity for decades and decades and decades. Um, and you define that really quick, Jason, what do you mean by financial scarcity for those that are well, like, what are you talking about? I, I lived in a limited financial mindset. Okay. So while I was taking massive amounts of action, my financial mindset wasn't aligned with receiving the results of my action. So therefore all the action I was taking was irrelevant. Now there's one thing I've also found is there's, 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 there's income levels and there's financial income levels that these are the hardest parts of success. So the first one is a hundred thousand dollars a year. Earning a hundred thousand dollars a year isn't impossible, but you just got to get a job and work hard, right? Most people can work hard and get a job and make a hundred grand. 
I did that when I was 27 years old was when I first right. broke a hundred thousand dollars. Um, the next level is 250, 200, 250, 250 is in my opinion is one of the hardest levels to hit. And the reason why 250 I found is hard to hit is because if you're trying to work for some, you either have to have a successful business one way. Another one is you have to, if you're great at sales, if you're really good in sales, you can do 250. Um, if you're like a hunter or you're an executive at, at a company and it's hard, it's especially hard for entrepreneurs to be executives at companies because they don't like following other people's orders. <laughs> so they're never going to be executives somewhere else. There's different types of people. So getting across the 250 part is one of the hardest. Like I, I hit, I passed a hundred when I was 27, but I didn't break 250 until I was like 44, 45. Um, once you hit 250, that's like the first, that's the first time you start living in financial abundance, right? You guys know when you're making 20,000 a month, oh, there's a $1,500 dental crown. No, damn. Okay. We'll just pay for it. Right. Car payment. Like you, cause you have excess cash from there. I found once you make 250, you go to 450, 500, just like that. The next level is from 500 to a million. Breaking a million is the one. And really the big, what I found, the big difference from getting to 450, 500 to a million is leverage. How much leverage are you bringing in? And that's one of the biggest obstacles with highly successful people. At the lower level, it's getting to that 150, 200 because it, it, it can, it's really hard to stay in a financially abundant frame when you're constantly getting reminders of financial scarcity. It's really hard because you're like, okay, I'm feeling financially abundant and I'm looking at my bank account. The money's not there because I'm not making it yet. So it's hard to keep into a financial high financial frequency when the re physical reality is not making enough. Interesting. Okay. So I, I have, rarely get, I rarely <laughs> dude, get, I have like not questions being able to talk. Like, yeah. Okay. So like, I, wanna, I have like questions. I know, this I know. And it's like, this is not about Diego and I were trying to make yeah. this. To the, to, I'm like, how can I, this is great. So Jason, let's take it a step further in there then. Um, leverage. How it's okay. I got, I got plenty of time so we can, <laughs> no, 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 no. We need to respect your time. How does someone that is clear the six figure mark, can you give an example of how maybe you leveraged or, or how you um, helped other people leverage to get past that mark, to get to that next level past 500 up to a million what do you mean by le leveraging people, leveraging time, leveraging um, softwares, processes? Like, what does that necessarily mean? Well, that's all the byproduct of it. But let me, let's go to the core of the problem. Okay. Right. So at a simple level, it's going from me to we, right? Me to we. And what that actually means is like, okay, I'm a successful, I work hard. I got my business. And I'm going to make a little triangle shape right here. And like, okay, here's my job. These are things I do in my job. And when you start to get successful, you start to get more work. You start to get more job than you can do, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I've got a job. Now I, I can't get all this done. It's not enough. So I need to find someone else to do my job. And the way your brain works, because at the me level, you're not thinking we, it's a entirely different mindset. So at the me level, you're like, okay, here's my job. You want to come help me? Okay. So you come over here and here's how you do my job. You need to put your right arm right here. The thumb needs to be up and you need to do this. So basically when we <laughs> first start to go from me to we, we try to find clones of ourselves, right? Clones of ourselves. Um, so we end up treating our business like one big job. We're trying to get other people to help us do. 
I had a massive breakthrough on this when J JDC started to expand at the end of 2020. So again, at 20, Q3, 2020, Q2, Q3, it was in August. All of a sudden I had more clients than I could deal with. And they were they started coming in. And I'm sitting here like JDC is this entity and I'm lifting it up like this and I got it off the ground and it's about to start flying and it's making me money. And I feel like that, right? And you guys understand that, right? You're entrepreneurs. <laughs> You're like, sure, you get it sure. up. You're like, don't drop, don't drop. And I'm like, wait a second, I can't, I can't do anymore. I'm limited. I and and, and there's no more coaches. So do I want to hire more coaches and bring them my and teach Jason Dries coaches? Or do I want to just I, I'm the only one and there's a big long line. And I was like, well, a big long line would be the easiest way, but clearly I'm supposed to be doing this and I want to serve people. So let's bring on more coaches. And then I got a coach who knows how to coach, but I'm like way off the reservation ever since Robbins, because I went in a rat entirely different coaching system. Now I'm literally coaching a different level of consciousness. So I, then I'm going through this process of, I've got this new employee who happened to be a coach. And I'm like, how do I make him a clone of me? And it was exacerbated because as a coach, it was more specific, right? Versus just a, a, any type of business work. Um, how do I make him think like me as a coach? And I realized the only way I could even attempt and possibly do that was to micromanage the shit out of them. So we both hated each other. So I knew that wouldn't work. And I also knew that this employee who happened to be a coach, we could put them through sales training or HR training or coach training, you can put 100 people through there and they're all going to be different when they come out because their personalities are different. So I realized that there's no amount of training that's going to make him be me. So I realized that if JDC wants to grow, I have to bring in more coaches. I have to let coaches be themselves. And I have to. And I was going like this and I'm like, all right, because my brain's going, okay, well, Stan, you're holding this business up, like spread your hips out, put your thumb here to support it, right? Because you're thinking to micromanage them. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to let JDC go. I'm going to hand it off to you because if I don't, I'm never going to leave this spot. So I go like this, pull my hands back and I hand off this energetic, letting somebody take ownership in the business. And when I put my hands like this, I thought the JDC was going to fall to the ground. I was like, well, I had a good run. And what actually happened is when I let go, JDC flew up in the air. And in the next 30 days, the number of affiliate referral inbound leads doubled, doubled. And that's when I realized I hadn't been holding JDC like this. I'd been holding it like this. So the key to going from me to we is to not treat your business like one big job. You need to treat your business like it's its own entity that you work for. Interesting. And then you need to talk to it. And when I talk to it, it gives me input. And something really cool happened at the end of 2020, when we did the 10 X growth, my brain was just jello from the crazy volume of work. In the end of January, I'm in a meeting with two of my team members, uh, my COO and one of my program guys. And in that meeting, I'm just like, because <laughs> I'm just so exhausted. The two of them gave me the future vision of JDC on a team call. And I heard it and I was like, yes, that is exactly it. And I was like, and I left that meeting and I was like, how the hell did my team just give me my vision, the vision for my business? And what I realized in that moment is because I allowed people, JDC to be its own entity and not me, it made it possible for other employees to connect and contribute to that entity. And in that point of time, my two staff members were more aligned with the entity JDC than I was. And that's why they got the vision. Hmm. 
Interesting. Jason, now I'm wondering if it came from uh, you or, or, or Brandon. I was having dinner with Brandon in Nashville and Diego and I were struggling on how to scale Rat Race to Fi, our mastermind, but we knew we didn't want to go over um, 100 members, but we did want to yeah. scale. We were like, okay, we're, it's very successful. People are getting their lives transformed, investing in real estate. People are partnering. It's a great mix. But we cannot be, in my opinion, productive with thousands of people in, in, in rat race. And it's just me and Diego. We're limited by time. Camera looks great, Jason. Yeah. Brandon at dinner um, was like, Brandon Turner was like, why don't you like build leaders out of rat race to control micro tribes so that you don't have to spend more time? But you've, you know there's leaders in at 100 people, there's going to be leaders. Identify the leaders, create micro tribes, make it more like we have short term rental micro tribe now, wholesale micro tribe now, um, realtor yeah. micro tribe now, DIY micro tribe now. And we've almost doubled, maybe even close to tripled rat races. Yeah. And we're yeah. not doing more work, but we are impacting more people. And it's kind of what, like you just said a minute ago, maybe it was Diego and I holding down rat race because. It wasn't about losing control. It's Diego and I always at our core value of rat races. We want to make sure that we're impacting people without it just being a number. And I remember Brandon and I called Diego on the way home. I was like, dude, Brandon just like blew my mind with what rat race could do if we created these micro tribes. And then Diego took that and ran with that idea. And you just basically said the same thing. So now I might have to text him and be like, yo, was that your idea? Or did that come from a coaching session? Yeah. Well, it's well, and it's, and, and while your desire is to dissolve an impact, it's a conscious shift. Like, let's do it right now. So can, can both of you get a scent? Can you right now for this, let's just acknowledge, can you acknowledge rat race as its own entity? Would you yeah. like to do that? Okay. Yeah. Can you get a sense of that entity? Just like we did earlier, the frame, can you sense the entity rat race? Yeah, for okay. sure. Put your attention on it. Okay. Now ask it out loud or in your head. Like, do you have anything to tell me? Do you have anything to tell me rat race? What did it say? It said go big or go home. Okay. Ask it what it wants right now. What do you want? Diego, what does rat race want? No, 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 Felipe. What came out of your head? What did it say? Come on. What did it say? Better systems. Better systems. Okay. Diego, what did it say to you? Dude, it said to, like, it told me to leverage the right way. There you go. So at the end of 2020, I, I asked JDC what it wanted. It said it wanted a leadership, and I brought in a fractional COO. And then in Q1 2021, I asked JDC what it wanted. It said it wanted the book. And at the end of Q3, I asked JDC what it said it wanted me to rest. And, though, and the book has been instrumental for if I wouldn't have done the book. And the reason I actually put all the effort in the book in Q1 and Q2 was because of that exercise I did to do that. Yeah. And But can both of you get a sense of a version of you in the future that 
has experienced growth of rat race beyond what you thought was possible. Can you get a sense of that frame? Jason, we started with, I think, 14 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but let's keep, but let's, no, okay, but let's, let's, let's not limit ourselves based on where we were. So that's fantastic. Can you get a sense of a version of you in the future that has experienced rat race beyond your wildest expectations? Can you sense that frame? Oh, yeah. And can yeah. you sense the version of you whose journey to get there has been easy and fun and so silly and ridiculous? You, you feel like you're dreaming. Can you sense that version? A hundred percent. We and That's can every you, event we have. People and, have the best fun. And can you sense the version of you in the future that just saw these amazing leaders show up and just fill the organization with this leadership team that you are just proud of? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Hold that around. I'm like excited. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Hold I want to jump off like, this call and go do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, That's, have you ever had somebody run off your call and just like, all right, Jason, I, I just got to go do this. It's well, out. I would say almost every podcast I'm on, it turns into personal coaching of themselves. They want to understand because like that. <laughs> that's just what happens. This yeah. is not where this was supposed to go. But that's frame shifting is, yeah. is really a different level of consciousness we're operating in. Jason, I want people to, I want people to reach out to you because we see this a lot in rat race, including myself. I tell a story all the time of how it took me a very long time to get over my story of the cheese. And I told it um, at the rat race conference last year in December where my dad wouldn't buy cheese on our burger. And we had to, that was something we had to do at home before we got to eat was we could put the cheese on our burger. So for the longest time, I felt like I didn't deserve the cheese. Like that's just what came across to me as a child. Um, and growing up, that took forever to get over. Like, I never really felt like I deserved more than $120,000 a year. Um, so that was like, that took a very long time to get over. And I bet if I would have just like said, hey, Jason, can we talk about this? Can we figure this? Like, why am I here? Like, I feel like that would have saved me years of being stuck at 120 or less. So I want people to like, know that there is, it's not even a hard issue. There's just like mindset blocks. There's there's things that you can definitely help them through. But I'm curious now to turn this around. Jason, what would you, if you had that time machine, what would you go tell yourself um, back in and then you fill in the blank time? Where would you best go back to tell you? Was it when you got sued? Was it when you were starting your company? Was it in college? Like Jason today, where would you go back in time and what would you tell yourself? I wouldn't go back in time anywhere and tell myself anything because where I am today is so amazing. Mm -hmm. I would be concerned that I may not be in the destination I am today if I changed any part of my past because my wow. past is how I got here. Hmm. Love that. And that's, and, and good, bad, red, blue, a lot, a little, that, that's how I got here. Right. So that was the path I took to get here. And that one of the things I've done is done a lot of work about alignment. So I don't really have self-judgment anymore because I moved to self-acceptance. And, and, and when you do that, it starts to grow and expand, but really it's, I would tell other people, like, it doesn't matter how old you are or what you have or haven't done. You are being called in a direction to go. And it may not make sense right now. And, and the direction you're maybe being called to go may simply be the first step to get you where you're supposed to be going. But most people live their life following their thinking and not following their knowing. 
when you start to follow your knowing, that's your unique, unique path in life. And that's where the magic starts to come in. Yeah. Love that. Man, Jason, um, there's one last thing that I, I just have one thing if you can elaborate on and then we'll close it off because we do want to respect your, your time. It was a quote that you mentioned because it changed, it changed the way that I see things. Mm -hmm. And it was, what if success wasn't the destination, but was the starting point? And I feel like that's a lot like that. I feel like that's really important because yeah. people feel like, oh, I'm going to feel successful or I'm going to, once I reach success, I'll begin to just chill or do whatever. But yeah. you actually made it for me in a way like, holy crap, I'm, I've achieved my version of success. But if I'm just starting, what can I actually do? Well, the thing you to understand is that hard work doesn't create success. Hard, if hard work created success, we'd all be billionaires. Hard work increases your chances of getting an alignment with success with sure volume of work. And mm -hmm. what happens to most people over time with all the hard work they put in is eventually they get into alignment and it happens where you want to do to, to shorten that journey is to start in success because the frame you're operating from is literally how life responds to you. So if you're in a frame where, where you're not successful, you're going to be in a mindset that's not successful. So the action you're taking is not going to, be be successful where if you start in a frame where success is going to happen even if i don't know how you're in a frame where that reality will eventually come true so the simplest way to start out is the simplest way to 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 put in a clear frame is to use a decision such as i am going to hit success at this because i'm not going to stop until i do and that's a frame of alignment. So you, the whole thing about starting in success is really starting in alignment with the target because alignment with the target is what gives, is, is how you talk to life to get the right ideas, to get the right connections, to make it happen. So if you're not starting in success, you're literally never going to get the result because you can, you can, there's no action you can take out of alignment and get the result. Love that. That's awesome. Diego, you're muted, by the way. Um, Jason, this, this was awesome. This was like, I didn't know that it was, it was going to be a podcast and then it turned into like a coaching call. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think this was amazing. And I feel like as you ask us those questions or took us mm -hmm. through, through that, I highly believe that the audience will also be able to just imagine themselves. Like if, if, if you were asking them these questions, I will highly challenge everybody um, to go through that. Um, is there, what, what can people, um, where can people reach out to, to learn more about you, um, to connect with you and your coaching business? You can, um, Jason coaching.com. You can find information there. I also have a mini course. That's basically a quick introduction where it's about an hour and a half of content that kind of lays the foundation. Um, but what you'll start to understand is that the more you shift frames, the more you get into alignment. And if someone doubts this stuff, they're in a frame that doubts it. You can change that too. Like your entire reality is frames. So if you want to learn more about it, you can check my website. You can also check my Instagram. I do a lot of free content on Instagram. What is your Instagram? Uh, it's Jason Dries Coaching. Jason Dries Coaching. All right. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you very much. And also thank you for being one of the speakers at the last Rad Race Conference. Yeah. Really value your time. Everybody loved it. Um, and we look forward to seeing you around too, uh, in either a future event or on a future call. So it's awesome.
Definitely. Well, you're welcome. I enjoyed here and you have an amazing group and I'd love to, to help and support them as much as I can. So it was great to connect today. Awesome. Thank you. The Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.